Turn with me to Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9, where we'll see a text that talks about anxiety and about not being anxious. This is a powerful text. It gives us real, meaningful uh, direction in how we ought to live and how we ought to think and, and what we ought to pursue in our lives to be spiritually healthy and to spiritually grow, especially in, in light of things that would cause anxiety. So we're going to really march through this verse and um, this passage verse by verse and look at, look at Paul's words to us, which are the Spirit's words to us. So this is Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true... Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This is God's word. May he add his blessing to it. God, illumine our hearts as we... As we study your word this morning, be near to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It says right at the end of our verses for today, the God of peace will be with you. Do you have a sense that the God of peace is with you? Our world is in a state of turmoil right now. A lot of people do not feel the peace of God right now. Uh, we can be kind of oppressed by the virus that's spreading over the world. It's already spread over the world. Just try and think back. What were you doing a year ago? <laughs> what was your day-to-day -day life like? It was a lot different. I can't even really remember what it was like. Um, if you have young kids at home like I do, your kids probably don't really remember what it was like before COVID. Time goes quickly. And um, there's a lot of things that can cause our hearts anxiety. Maybe you're the kind of person that lays in bed at night, awake, thinking about what's going to happen? What should you do when you're feeling anxiety? Jesus told us not to be anxious about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough worries of its own. But a lot of times we do feel anxious. So let's look at this text, and we're going to look at four particular commands of Paul in verses 4 through 9. And... So if you're, you'd like to make outlines or something, listen for these four points as we work our way through this text. Uh, the first command here, which will guard our minds and our hearts against anxiety, is to rejoice. Look at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. What does he say right after that? Again, I will say rejoice. <laughs> He's writing to the Philippians, and he doesn't want them to miss this. He doesn't want them to just pass over this command and move on. So he says rejoice, but then he says, let me tell you again. Let me tell you one more time in case you didn't hear me. Again, I will say rejoice. 
We always need to be rejoicing in the Lord. There's never a time in our life where we should stop rejoicing in the Lord. The Bible gives us some examples of this. You think of Job. In chapter 1 of Job, he lost everything. He lost all of his possessions. He lost all of his children, which is grief beyond what I can imagine. But he says in Job chapter 1, verse 21, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What a picture there of blessing God's name in the most difficult of circumstances. Another example is right here in the text, behind the text, which is the Apostle Paul. Because Paul's writing to them from prison. (laughs) Paul's in prison, and he's telling them, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And he's been writing to them about how much joy he has ever since chapter 1. He said in chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. He's full of joy even in prison. And it was actually when he was at Philippi, planning the church at Philippi, that he was arrested and he was put into prison. And he was in the prison cell with Silas and they're singing psalms of praise to God. And that's when the Philippian jailer heard them. This is in Acts 16, if you want to look at it. And, and he converted to Christianity not long after that through this marvelous work of God. You had Paul there in prison singing praises to God. What a picture of rejoicing. And what a picture of God's grace. Such a clear picture of God's grace that it had a role in this guard's conversion. Bringing people to the Lord. When we rejoice in the Lord in all circumstances, it's an incredible testimony to the goodness and the power of God. If you're rejoicing all the time <laughs> in the midst of hardship, people might start to think, are, are you out of your mind? <laughs> if you're rejoicing in the midst of loss or imprisonment or whatever situation that you could be going through in life, people might start to think you're unreasonable. So Paul says here in verse 5, he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. It's not unreasonable to rejoice when you're a Christian. Actually, we have incredible reason to rejoice. Just think about these words from Romans 8. And tell me, is this not a reason to rejoice? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If God is for us, who can stand against us? Amen? And if that's true, then it doesn't matter what you're going through in life or how you're feeling in life. You have a good reason to rejoice. We all have hardship and pain, and and it, it is right for us to grieve when we lose, when we suffer. But even in our grief, we have reason to rejoice because we know that we have a God that is coming to make all things new, to take away all the sin in the world, all the misery in the world, to take away all of the power of Satan, of death, to set us free, to make all things right. So you have a reasonable reason to rejoice. 
you have good reason to rejoice. And let that reason be known to people. If people are wondering, why are you rejoicing in the midst of, of all of this chaos? Say, because I know my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He set me free from all my sin and from all of the wrath I deserve. And he's given me a, a hope. That's a good reason to rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Notice it says everyone. And in 1 Peter 3.15, Peter told us, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. And then it says, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So let people know with gentleness and respect, but let them see that hope in you and give them the reason for why you have that hope. God will shine his light for you. And he can use your hope to bring hope to others by leading them to Jesus. And it says at the end of verse 5, the Lord is at hand, which is a, another great reason to rejoice. God is very near to you right now, just like we saw in that Romans passage. He's near to you, he's with you, and he's here to bless you. His spirit has been poured out on you to guide you and to help you through whatever you're going through in life. The gospel truly is good news, <laughs> It's so good that if you know the gospel, then you always have a good thing to rejoice about. So rejoice in the Lord. And if we fill our hearts with rejoicing, this is actually setting us on a course away from anxiety and toward having, having peace in our heart. Rejoice in the Lord. And rejoice in the Lord always. Our second command is in verses 6 to 7. Just, just to summarize it, is, it is to let your requests be made known to God. Let's look at those verses. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Boy, that's easier said than done for us. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What Paul's really telling us to do here is when you have anxieties, turn your anxieties into prayers. Take your, whatever's making you anxious or keeping you up at night, turn that into a prayer. If you're laying in bed and you've got nothing to do because you're trying to fall asleep, great time to pray. <laughs> Some of our best prayer times, I think, are when we're anxious about something. We, we actually, we, we feel that need so present to us. That's a perfect time to pray to the Lord. So he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. There's four words there that I want you to put your mind on. It says prayer. So you can think about these four and tell me which of these is not like the other. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, requests. You hear those four? Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, requests. Three of those are similar and one of them is a little bit different. I'll give you a minute to figure it out. Do you figure it out yet? A prayer is kind of like an entreaty, so it's asking, asking God for something. Prayer, supplication has a similar meaning, coming to the Lord and asking him for help. Um, requests. So those three, the one, two, and four are, are, are very similar. And then there's the word thanksgiving is thrown in there. So imagine this, you're laying in bed, you're anxious about something. You're coming to the Lord in prayer. You're making supplication. You're making requests to him. God, help me with this situation. Help us through. Well, there's another thing he says to mix in there. 
and that special ingredient. It's thanksgiving. Do you see that there? But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. When you're anxious about the future, this is a good time to give thanks to God for things he's done in the past. Think back and say, God, thank you for all the ways you've blessed me. Because there's probably a lot of ways that God has blessed you in your life. (laughs) I know it. God sends blessing on the just and the unjust, it says. The rains that he makes fall. Uh, Even our lives are a blessing from God. We have so many blessings from God to give thanks for, but there's probably lots of very particular ways where you know God has delivered you, God has helped you, God has answered your prayers in the past. So give thanks to him. This is part of the reason why we exist, is to praise God and to thank him. So in the midst of your anxieties, turn your anxieties into prayer and turn them into thanksgiving, even. Giving thanks to God for what he's done in the past. This verse comes with an incredible promise here in verse 7. When we come to the Lord in prayer, when we take our anxieties to him, it says here in verse 7, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you see that promise there? The peace of God will come to us. This is a gift from the Lord. And it will come to protect us. And this is not ordinary peace. This is supernatural peace. This is a peace that surpasses understanding. I think in the midst of anxiety, we need more than just human remedies. We need divine help. We need divine grace. We need the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding. And it's not something we can manufacture ourselves. This is a gift from God. It's his peace that will come to us, and it will guard our hearts in our minds, in Christ Jesus. This is the greatest defense against anxiety. Not something that we do, but something God gives to us. The peace of God. It's something you ought to seek in your life. To know the peace of God that surpasses understanding. The peace of God that, that comes to our hearts, as it says. That comes to our minds. That guards our emotions. It guards our thoughts. Draw near to the Lord in prayer. Draw near to him in thanksgiving. Pray for this, that you would know this peace, this peace that only comes through his Holy Spirit, uh, that comes only through faith in Jesus, the peace that surpasses understanding. Maybe you've felt this before. Maybe you've felt in a time when you felt this incredible stress and you came to the Lord in prayer, and maybe you didn't feel it right away, but, but you know it when you feel it, this sense that God is with us. Uh, maybe you cried out to the Lord for a long time, and maybe, maybe you were even angry with the Lord or frustrated with the Lord or overwhelmed by the Lord and said, Lord, where are you? Or like Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But maybe you have felt this before, the, the peace that surpasses understanding, where you know that all things are well because they're in the hands of the Lord. If you're feeling anxious, seek out that peace. Seek it out and keep knocking on the door until God answers. Keep asking for it. So let your requests be made known to God. Turn your anxieties into prayers. So we saw to rejoice, to turn your anxieties into, re- into prayers. And our third point comes from verse 8. And it's to think good things. 
Fill your mind with good things. He says here in verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Paul's heaping up all these words together just to give us an idea. He's saying, just fill your minds with good things. We'll look at them in a little more detail, but, but think about this. Um, think about a junk drawer. <laughs> you ever clean out a drawer in your house or a shelf on your house? You get rid of all the junk. You get rid of it to try to make it clean, and then you sort of forget about it. And what happens if, if you don't have a plan for that shelf or that drawer? It just gets full of junk again. Have you had that happen to you before? Our minds are kind of like that. He's telling us to turn away from anxiety here in verse 6. And now in verse 8, he's telling us to, to, well, fill your mind with something good. If you get rid of something bad, you've got to fill it with something good or it's gonna, your mind's going to get full of junk pretty quickly. <laughs> Maybe you feel like your mind gets full of junk pretty quickly. We can pick up stuff from the news. We can pick up stuff from conversations around us. We can pick up stuff from TV shows we watch, from the radio, from on the Internet. And our minds can get full of junk. We can find ourselves thinking about all kinds of bad things or worrying about bad things or thinking, why is this bad thing happening in my church? And we can get frustrated. Paul tells us to fill our minds with what's good. There's eight things on this list. There's probably more than one way to break it down, but we can break it down in a pattern like this. Three, two, three. So he says whatever is true, honorable, and just. Those three words really kind of go together. Truth, honor, and justice. And they're all telling us to, to fill our minds with, with um, things that are upright and holy. And you can think about people in your life. You want to have truthful relationships with people, and you want to look toward people and admire people who are honorable and just. Sometimes we can have heroes that aren't so good, and the people we admire are the people we'll come, become like. Or maybe we can look around us and we can see all of the dishonor and injustice and our minds can become full of that. He says, don't let your minds get full of all the injustice in the world. Think about things that are true, honorable, and just. And the next two are pure and lovely. Think about this in terms of your friendships or your marriage. Imagine if you made it a point every day to, to think about the things that were pure and lovely about, about your best friend or about your spouse and to point those things out to them. Fill your mind with those kind of things. Isn't that a good thing to think about? That's, those are godly things. Look for God's hand in people around you. Look for God's hand in people in your church. The pure and lovely things about other people in your church. And along with that, he's, the last three he says here, are um, commendable, and if anything is commendable, excellent, or praiseworthy. And all of those are, say, you could go around looking to critique other people for all the mistakes they make, and sometimes we get in that sort of mindset where we're just looking for all the flaws in people, or that's all we seem to see. But Paul's telling us to look for things that are, are um, commendable, excellent, and praiseworthy. And it really helps your relationships at work at home, at school, 
if you're looking to praise people and to commend them. Look for good things in people. It helps your relationships at church to be commending and, and blessing people for the work they do. Um, because when it, there's, there's something that happens when you come to somebody to encourage them and commend them is it can build up their sense of assurance. It can build up their sense of peace. If you come to someone in the church and say, hey, God really blessed me through you. God used you to encourage me. Well, that can be a real blessing to that person because that person can say, oh, I guess maybe God really is at work in me. <laughs> I didn't realize all the ways God was using me. So you can give this peace to one another when you come to one another with this kind of mindset. So fill your mind with good thoughts, which will then affect the way you speak and act. And that brings us to our fourth and final piece of advice we have from Paul here, which is to practice good things. Practice good things. If you're feeling anxious, and you've got tunnel vision on your anxiety, and you're worried, sometimes we need to just start practicing the things that we know to do. So he says here in verse 9, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Sometimes you look at your Christian life and you say, I know I'm just not really living right. I'm just not doing the things I, I need to do. We can feel off track sometimes. God's gracious. He's not heavy-handed with us. I think we all feel this from time to time, maybe frequently. What should we do? Well, how do we get back on track? We've got a lot of advice here about rejoicing, about praying to God, about filling your mind with good thoughts. And, and then here he says, just start imitating mature believers. Start going through the motions of, of the things that you know are good to do um, that will bring you close to God. And, and just to summarize what he really means here when he says to imitate Paul is to imitate him in, in seeking the Lord through, um, through these means of grace that we have. This isn't the first time in this letter that Paul has told the Philippians to imitate him. And it's kind of funny when you look at it. Imagine if I stood up here and said, you know what you need to do? You need to imitate me. <laughs> that would almost sound arrogant. If I told you that the way for you to grow is to imitate me, that sounds, that sounds a little bit strange, but it's, it's not because God has blessed Paul and has put him in a position of leadership. And it's really true of anybody who is an ordained leader of the church is God has raised them up, and we have to live lives that are, that are praiseworthy and excellent and worthy of imitating. It's, it's our calling. So Paul is, is expressing that. He says, whatever you've, you've learned from me, whatever you've received from me, not just what, what I've taught you, but what you have seen me do, what you have, as he says, heard and seen in me, practice these things. If you back up to chapter 3, verse 17, he said, brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. And if you back up a little bit above that, he talks about in verse 14 of chapter 3, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was describing to them how his whole life, the purpose of his life is to draw near to Jesus, to seek him at all costs. That this world is like rubbish. Everything that he had in this world was like rubbish if he might just gain Christ and be found in him. That Christ is so precious that 
he doesn't want anything to get in the way of him drawing near to Jesus. And that's how we ought to imitate Paul. Imitate Paul and imitate mature believers in their pursuit of Christ, to come near to Christ at all costs. How do we pursue Christ? Pursue him in, in prayer, but also pursue him in his word. Pursue him by, by filling your heart with the words of God, by meditating on his word, by memorizing it, by writing it on your heart, by praying those words to him, turning God's word into prayer. Seek Christ in worship, singing to him, praying to him. Seek him in public worship, in the sacraments. Seek him in everything that we're called to do as Christians. Seek him in, in, in as you serve others. Seek him continually. Seek Jesus Christ. And it says here a promise. Practice these things. And what does it say at the end? Do you see what it says at the end of verse 9? As we're just bringing it ourselves to a close here. Practice these things and, and what? The God of peace will be with you. Amen? This is poetry by Paul. Because he said back in verse 7, the peace of God will be with you. Now he says here in verse 9, the God of peace will be with you. Do you, you see that little turn of phrase? You can know the peace of God by knowing the God of peace. If you seek the peace of God, seek it in the God of peace. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. Jesus told us, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Friends, do you know the Prince of Peace? Do you know the God of Peace? Do you know Jesus Christ? Is this peace in your heart? Are you feeling anxious right now? Well, come to the waters that are free, without money, without costs. Come and drink of these waters. Drink of Jesus Christ. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Put your hope in Jesus Christ. Turn your life toward Jesus Christ. Trust in the Lord and you will know the God of peace. And the peace that surpasses understanding is a promise to us. Seek it out. Examine your hearts. If you have anxiety, bring it to the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Make your request known to God. Fill your mind with good things. Fill your life with good practices, Christian practices. And it's through those means that we'll know the God of peace. Let's pray. Father, we praise you. We thank you. We know that you are not far from us, but you're near to us. We, we thank you that you make these glorious promises to us that we might know true peace in our hearts, in our minds, that that peace will guard us like armor and watch over us. So we pray, God, that you would help us to live out the life you've called us to live. We pray, God, that you'd make us a light to shine before others, that they also might know the God of peace. We pray, God, that you would bless us and let this word be written on our hearts. These words that you spoke through the Apostle Paul to us, to guide us, no matter what we go through in life.
We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.